Hello, Internet. My name is Walter Ciades Fedchuk, and welcome back to a very, very, very special edition of the Final Cut Podcast, presented by the Rough Drafts Podcast Network. I left our last episode, which was Oscar-nominated Drive My Car, uh, with a bit of a cliffhanger. I uh, I left you all a, a little riddle or, or so that I had basically coerced Chase into having to watch one of two superhero movies uh, that had come out, you know, in the last, you know, three or four months that that we uh, hadn't gotten a chance to talk about yet because we were focused on Oscar season. It was uh, The Batman or it was uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. And Chase made a decision. He watched one of those movies. And now we're about to talk about one of those movies after I introduce... The the Jarvis to my Iron Man, Ooh. Chase Wassener. Chase, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing well. I, You know, I'll take the Jarvis role, honestly. Jarvis gets to be smart. He gets to be the one who, who does a lot of cool shit, but he's also able to upload himself uh, into the internet and escape if things get too dangerous. Though he is, I guess, responsible for Ultron, so I should be careful about what I... I take on here, but yeah, I, look, I'm excited to to talk about this film today um, because it's a very interesting one. Uh, I'm sorry to those of you who uh, would really like to talk about No Way Home. Uh, ultimately, it's not my fault that uh, it's not on Disney Plus. So this is the one that was available to watch. This is the one that we're watching, and I. It's interesting. It's an interesting film. There are things to like about it. Um, and I'm excited to, to talk about what works and, and what does not. Chase, you're really making the word interesting do a lot of work in that sentence. And uh, <laughs> I'm excited to... to, to I, I watched this movie in theaters. I want to say it was like the second week it came out because of how excited I was about it. Um, and I'll get to my initial thoughts in a moment. But Chase, like we always start the, uh, the show with, going in to watching... Matt Reeves's The Batman. First thoughts, first impressions. Did you think Robert Pattinson was going to do a good job? Was this going to be, uh, you know, was this going to be uh, Batman and Robin 2.0? What What were your thoughts? So I will admit, when I first heard about this film, I had no interest in watching it whatsoever. Uh, and it had nothing to do with Robert Pattinson. I actually think Robert Pattinson is a very talented actor, like Kristen Stewart, um, I, I think a lot of people kept Twilight in their minds, despite the fact that he's gone on to do a lot of really interesting, really good film stuff. Um, he's a captivating actor and one who I think does a, a really great job. I, I saw him in The Lighthouse, which I recently caught up on recently. Incredibly captivating performance. So had nothing to do with him, had everything to do with the fact that Batman as a character has gotten to a place in which I have struggled to get behind him because every single iteration is darker and grittier than the one that came before. That's how this film sold itself. It's how the last few, the Nolan verse certainly sold itself that way. The, the Snyder verse certainly sold itself that way. And at some point it just like lost the sense of joy to me. You know, I, I love Adam West Batman, and I understand that there are going to be a lot of people who think that Adam West Batman shouldn't count because it's such a different character. But as the Lego Batman film showed, Batman can be a heartwarming, fun, silly character. It's it's a concept 
that when you step back should inherently be fun. And when people try to make them this grim, dark, super serious, whatever, it, it just drags me down. It's not what I want for my Batman. It's not what I want for my Superman. It's very rarely what I want for my superhero films in general, unless it's really done with a purpose and the brutality and, and dark atmosphere of it can really be explored and, and made to do something different. But we've seen so many deconstructions of it that even that's kind of old hat by this point. So I went in with the idea that this film was long, a, a long Batman film, even compared to some of the longer Nolanverse films, uh, and had been sold to me as something that was uh, another grim, dark, serious Batman. But this time he's doing some detective things. And I will say that uh, two of those things are true. It, he is doing detective things, and it is a long film, a longer film than it needs to be. But all of the people who say this is a grim, dark version of the character... I don't know what film they were watching, because this is a film in which there is a literal thumb drive where there's a thumb attached to a, like a USB drive that gets plugged into a computer. And that's camp. That is 100% camp. And it is not the only instance of camp in this film. Um, so I that concern was done away with pretty early on into the film. Uh, my other concerns, maybe not so much. I don't know how you can say you want Batman to be fun. I understand Adam I understand Adam West. I understand the Lego Batman movie. When Batman's backstory is that his parents were brutally murdered in front of him and that he like fell down into a cave and was forced to confront his fear and out of that then decided that he was going to uh you know seek vengeance for his parents murder or was going to defend the innocent or I, he joined with Rachel Ghoul and like Rachel Ghoul taught him how to punish the wicked his motivations at some points are murky as to why he is doing what he is doing but i i, I can't get on board with this thought that Batman is supposed to be fun or should be fun. Uh he's he's not that he's not that superhero. He is not supposed to be this shining beacon in, you know, in in the daylight. He is supposed to be in the dark, in the the alleys. He's all black like Batman's outfit is all black. That's not conducive to, like, standing around in sunlight being like, all right, villains, let's go to war. Like, that's, no. that's not the character. And I, I just, I can't get on board with this premise that he's supposed to be a fun character. These are not supposed to be fun movies. There is a lot of joy to be found when you get into the Robin stuff, right? Like, we don't let Robin exist in the movies and... I gotta be honest, I'm really waiting for Robin to exist in these movies because it's way overdue. But, like, yes, that's where the character starts, but in the comics, he grows from that. He comes to realize that there is more than just being the dark mask of vengeance, which, for the record, is where this film gets to. He presents, at the end of the film, the idea that Batman can be something different, that Batman can be a symbol of hope, that Batman can build things up and make things better. It doesn't have to be light or silly the way that Adam West is, but it doesn't have to be this grim, dark, ultra-serious, everything is awful, and often, no matter what happens, everything sucks all of the time, that it, it became, in, in the Nolanverse, you know? Just an endless sea of 
corruption that never gets fixed, never evolves, never brings the character to find something different, to find a better way. And you could say that Robin not being included is a big part of that, right? Because Robin is the thing that motivates Batman to be a better person. He needs to be, depending on the Robin, a better uh, adoptive dad or a better dad dad. And so he has to learn to be different. He has to learn to give Robin something better to aspire to and to make sure that he doesn't fall into the same mental traps that Batman did. And also Batman, when he's doing Justice League stuff, he is a leader. He takes care of people. He is constantly using his wit in order to set people up to succeed because he is not grim, dark, brooding all of the time. He is sometimes, and there are good stories to be told with that, but it is not oppressive. It's not the only thing he is as a comic book character. And funnily enough, I think this film understands that. When we get to the very end of this film, that's the note it wants to end on. And I'm honestly, genuinely excited to see what that next film looks like. I would love to see that part of Batman more explored, and I think that they might. So that's great. Took us a while to get there. Um, that took us a bit. And that's I think the point, the, though. The slog to get there, but it didn't... We've seen that part of the story so many times. I'm looking forward to getting to the next bit, I guess is how I would put it. Right, but we haven't in in this iteration, in, in this time frame, in this... I, I, sure. Uh, listen, we can't keep relying on Christian Bale and Christopher Nolan for what happened, you know, uh, uh, movies that came out 10 years ago. Dark Knight Rises is almost 10 years old. We can't keep relying on that shit. We need to retell sort of the beginnings of Batman, but not retell his origin story in the way that, like, you would expect the Batman origin story to tell. It is very interesting to me that the opening scenes of the movie portray a a husband... Uh, you know, coming home from work and it's like very well to do and looks like a mansion. It looks like this very expensive house. And right off the bat, I had this moment of like, great, we're going to see the Martha and Thomas, you know, Wayne murder again for like the 10 billionth time because we need to see every single iteration of this happen. And no, instead, it turns out to be serial killer. And I, I put this very, very strongly because the Riddler's a fucking serial killer in this. Murdering his first victim. And we don't get the very traditional origin story for Batman. It's much like um, when they they remade uh, Spider-Man, did Spider-Man Homecoming. I don't need to see Uncle Ben die again. I don't need to see Thomas and Martha Wayne die again. Batman's existed for the better part of, let's see, first film came out in 1943. Like, he's existed for the better part of almost 100 years. We all know the Batman origin story. We all know what happened as a child. And now we want to find out what sort of happens in the middle. We do have this Justice League series that has been going on, and we can talk about that a little bit later, but we do know this is kind of a separate film from that. But we still kind of want to know what's going on before Batman does get to that sort of Justice League era or what is, you know, what is he doing between the first time he dons the mask and, you know, what's the day-to-day like for Batman? What What is, you know, what is Bruce Wayne doing his free time besides beat up 
you know, the, the downtrodden criminals of Gotham. And the fact that they, they do that, they say you don't need the origin story. Instead, this is more an origin story about, about new Gotham, about sort of the transition from the, the old corrupt version of Gotham into a, you know, more modern society that is trying to fix all these problems, that's trying to clean up all the sins of the past. And there's two different paths that are going about it. You have the the young upstart um, politician that that they tried to do or that they attempted to do in the Dark Knight and in, in the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight. Um, obviously, this time it's not Harvey Dent. Um, I, I it's uh, um, Bella Real uh, is the is the character's name, and she's running for mayor versus obviously the corrupt you know current mayor. And then there is the Riddler that is like. Right, or I could just kill everyone instead. Like I can just cut the head off, you know, cut all the snakes' heads off, and we don't have to worry about it ever again. Mm-hmm. And that sort of dichotomy, I think, is where a lot of people get the the grittiness in all of this. If you if we look back at the at the Nolan verse, all of that violence that is happening is very large scale. It's not very individualized it is these massive terrorist schemes done by Rachel ghoul and and um and scarecrow in the first one and the joker in the second one although he does very singularly focus on harvey dent and commits you know atrocity at harvey dent in particular and then uh talia ghoul and bane in in the third movie and this this the riddler sort of more more scalpel like precision at cutting the rot from Gotham instead of the you know bringing the entire city to its knees it does feel darker in a way and it feels more sinister and and more intimate um does that like how how can why do you not think this movie is as gritty as the Nolan films it just has a sense of humor about itself honestly like it embraces something that I think the Nolan films forgot, which is that this is these are comic book characters. Some of the, the things that are presented are over the top in a way that is camp. I, I mentioned the thumb drive thing earlier, but it's not just that, right? It, it's um, the way in which certain clues are unraveled with like the little cards that fold out. Like, like he, there's a, a flair to it a sense of uh, wanting you to appreciate the theatrics of it uh, in a way that's inherently just a bit silly, right? It's it's not, you know, obviously I, I think if you were to ask uh, Paul Dano, he talks about the Zodiac Killer as being the real-life inspiration, and, and there can be that kind of darker element to it. But the way it's presented, there are genuine moments in which I laughed at this film in a way that I don't remember laughing at any of the Nolan films, and I certainly don't remember laughing at any of the Snyder Batman iteration. Um, there, There is a, a sense of playing into the over-the-top dramatic nature of the Riddler uh, that I think allows for some moments of levity. Um, and I think we get moments with, you know, whether it's his uh, friendship with Gordon or whether it's the kind of evolving relationship with uh, Zoe Kravitz's uh, Catwoman, I, I think that there are there are moments in this in which 
certainly we are trying to track down a killer, but this is... It's not quite as oppressive. We're given moments to breathe. We're given moments to appreciate. And we're given bad puns, you know? <laughs> like, that's... It, it's important for the character like the Riddler to not take himself quite so seriously. And there are moments in the film where you get that element of him. Um, which is why the last hour of the film is so unfortunate. Because you lose that. Because now it is all about being super serious and being this symbol of, I guess, accelerationism is the only way I can describe it. There are some people that have compared it to white supremacist talks. You can say that everything he says also sounds like uh, tanky stuff, right? Like, you pick your group of people who want to target certain individuals in order to accelerate political change, and any of them could fit, right? I, I don't think it's necessarily as precise in its targeting as it wants to be on that front. But up until then, it's a mystery film. And it's one in which we're trying to solve a murder and uncover corruption. And because the stakes are, you know, a little bit more reasonable and we get a little bit more moment to breathe, um, rather than having to worry about the city all collapsing at any given time and, and the, you know, the stakes being so high that we can't have those moments of levity, I, I think it's better for it. I, I do not... I do not want to say that this is a light film, because I think that would be going too far by by any stretch. Um, but I do think it is lighter than what we got from Nolan, and I think it's lighter than what we got from the DC Universe, because I think it leaves room for some laughs and for some hope, which is something that we did not get from either of those other iterations. I, I understand where you're coming from in terms of in terms of that in terms of that the the Nolan films and the the extended sort of DC universe uh, usage of Batman is very it is heavy but it is heavy in terms of just sheer weight I feel as just the sheer sort of pressure of the emotions that you are you are feeling during that and that it does take superhuman strength to sort of throw off the um the the problems that those those films are trying to overcome that the stories those those heroes are trying to overcome i i i'm very glad you won't say this is a light film because i still think that the the content again the riddler is a serial killer in this and a brutal serial killer in this and dano's reference to the zodiac killer and even your reference to that this is very much a detective movie this detective this movie has a lot more in line with like seven than i think it does with the christopher nolan films other than it's batman and that to me is really what drew me into this is that i much like you i i didn't want to see no offense to to ben affleck but i did not want to see a Ben Affleck Batman movie unless it was going to be the equivalent of like Logan where it's Batman is at like the very end of his rope maybe you bring in Nightwing maybe you you know you're bringing you have Robin that's in there where it's getting ready to then pass off to the next person but there was nothing about just a standard Batman movie with Ben Affleck that was going to draw me into into watching it either in films or probably you know right when it comes out in streaming it would have taken me a while to get to that movie. But there was something 
about not only the casting choice of Robert Pattinson at the start, but just everything that sort of leaked out about it. The the choice of the villain that they were going to use the Riddler. Um, to me was very interesting because the Riddler feels sort of underrepresented uh, as, you know, one of the classical Batman villains in terms of, a, you know, in terms of um, on the silver screen. Uh, he is very much a like collectible uh, character, you know, collectible quest line of the Arkham series, which like it, it bodes really well. He's a Riddler, like ha ha ha. He gives you clues and you have to go find his trophies. It just seemed like a very strange decision to make him sort of the main villain in this movie. It almost felt like a feint when they the, the um, Colin Farrell came out as being Penguin. It, it felt like, all right, they're saying it's about Riddler, but at the end it's actually going to be about Penguin. And then that's building to a second movie where it's really Colin, especially when you choose like Colin Farrell to be penguin like you didn't pick a no-name actor to play the penguin you picked colin farrell like really and and all we got out of him was what we got it, it like he did an excellent job as penguin but it seemed almost a weird casting choice that would you would use such a big name for what seems over the entirety of the film such a small part uh and and such little screen time but that's why um, you do it, right? Because they do take a moment to have that fake out happen in the film. Right. They track Penguin yes. down. They like, and and the Riddler makes fun of him for thinking that, and yes. so you get that like, oh, okay, cool. They they've really thought this yes. one through. Um, it's a good subversion. Um, I, so I, I I did like that, and I do think the Colin Farrell's Penguin will be back and probably playing a, a significant role. I I do like that we have the Riddler back because I think the Riddler is very fun. I, I, I mean, I love Jim Carrey's version as much as I have mixed feelings about Jim Carrey as a person and also that film. I, 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 I do love that really fun, ridiculous angle of it. And I understand that we weren't going to get that because that's not what this film was trying to be, which is why I think I really appreciated those moments, like the thumb drive moment that I keep coming back to because mm-hmm. it found a way to remember that part of the character without losing the overall tone that it was trying to set. And I think that's important when you're using the Riddler. There there are definitely aspects to Batman as a character that you are you are trying to hit. And I think it's been a long-standing criticism that the movies tend to fail to hit certain parts of those characters. I think when you look at the the Nolan version of the films, uh, you know, you have the criticism of Christian Bale is not a very good Bruce Wayne. He's not very believable in that role. He does a very good job at the very, like, oh, I'm Batman, the, the voice and the physicality. But again, there's none of the quips. There's none of the traditional, like, comic book dialogue that you would get. Um, and that's something that I feel like Affleck does a little bit better in in his, appear- his few appearances. Um, but also Affleck just... Again, because they portray him as sort of the older, this older person, this rundown person, doesn't play a very convincing Batman. He plays a more convincing Bruce Wayne than he does an actual Batman. And and then, we, you know, we can go back to the even, you know, further back into the 90s, Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, George Clooney. They all have their, their problems. I think Clooney, out of all of them, you go, well, he's the one that's probably the most true to form in terms of like a comic book character because Batman and Robin is such an inherently silly film. Um, that it's just hard to take it seriously. It's hard to be like, this guy dresses up as a bat and goes out into the night and scares, like, scares criminals? Like, what are you talking about? Like, it, he's a joke. Um, it, he's, he has more in line with Adam West than, you know, any of them do. And it does feel like 
the Batman tries to get as many of those tropes and, and sort of pulls them in and makes them usable. Uh, one of them that like really sticks out to me is, um, is Andy Serkis playing um, Pennyworth. And that I really love uh, playing Alfred. Um, I really love Gotham, the TV series. I really liked the portrayal that Alfred wasn't just this like frail butler that was just there to take care of Master Wayne. That, you know, a younger version of him is like, yeah, I was a member of like the Royal, like Her Majesty's Royal Service and I'm like a badass. And that they don't really make him fight in this film like they do in Gotham, the TV series. But they do show that he's like, a badass and that one yes he is taking care of uh, care of bruce wayne and is is assisting uh you know the bat assisting batman wherever he can and doing some of the like clerical work and the research work and everything but then he survives a fucking bomb and it's like god damn this guy is like his emotional heart is his his replacement parent you do have the moment between the two of them where he where uh bruce has the emotional outburst it's like stop pretending to be my father and alfred's like oh, I'm really hurt. And then the moment Alfred's hurt, Bruce is like, God damn you, why would you hurt my father that way? Like, it's you get good. all of, you get all of those like little nitty, nitty gritty pieces. You have the quips that come through. I know the one that like sticks out to me the most, sort of like the thumb drive for you is, is Zoe Kravitz saying she has a thing for strays. That is, that is such a like Eartha Kit Catwoman line that it just it just like completely sticks out to me and I know it was in the trailer and I get it 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 you know whatever but like it hits all of the notes and all the little nuances and all the little pieces from all the other Batman media that I've consumed in my life that I'm very happy with with what we got that we did get this more of a detective noir style film even though again we we mentioned this ending that that we'll get to in a little bit uh i want to circle back to pattinson because i really feel like when he was announced the entire universe went oh shit this is gonna be awful and and even up until the moment i sat down in the theater a part of the reason why I wanted to go watch it, you know, relatively soon when it came out was one of two things was going to happen. Either this movie was going to be fucking dog shit and was going to be an atrocious movie. And this was just they they had already agreed to the film and they just needed to get through the contract and fuck it. They're just killing off Batman at this point and we'll get a reboot five years down the line with someone else or they chose Pattinson for a reason and that he was going to knock it out of the park. And Robert Pattinson fucking knocked it out of the park with a detective style Batman. He's very good at this acting thing. And it's funny that you mentioned the reception, right? Because it really was divided between film Twitter and the rest of Twitter, because there was a lot of Twitter that reacted the way that you did, but film Twitter understands that he's been really good at this acting thing for a while now. The Lighthouse is the example that I point to. It's an Oscar-nominated film for a good reason. Um, it is a film with literally only two people in it, uh, and he has to carry so much work and do so much, uh, just the, the range of emotion that he's forced to uh, portray and bring out in this descent into madness in that film. It's an incredible acting performance. And if you've seen him in that, and you've seen him in, in several of the other films that have come out 
Uh, you know, maybe you're a big The King fan. Maybe you like The Lost City of Z, which I think is underrated. Um, there are a lot of really good performances that he's turned in. I knew I was going to enjoy Robert Pattinson's version of this character when the story came out about how he was asked to get uh, in better shape for the character. And he told the studio, like, oh, yeah, don't worry. I'm going to do the whole workout thing. I'm going to eat what I want to eat. You know, I'll, I'll eat all the right things. I'll be good to go. And then he showed up to set and he was even heavier than he was before. And they were like, well, I guess we're not going to replace him. So I guess it's just going to work out. Um, which I thought was great because he recognized, like, one, he wasn't going to get caught up in the uh, machismo kind of bullshit that a lot of superheroes get lumped into. But two, he he does what Robert Pattinson does best, which is, you know, that kind of contemplative um trying to figure himself out in his place in this larger city of Gotham, being able to be brooding and emotionally challenged without being uh, oppressive or, you know, annoying or frustrating. It's a fine line that he has to walk, and I I think that he does a great job um, as Batman. I think his Bruce Wayne maybe needs a little bit more of a touch-up, but I think he can get there. Um, And I I think, given that a lot of the Batmans, when you go back through it, have either been really good at being Batman or really good at being Bruce Wayne, I I thought he he struck a pretty darn good balance. Um, So I I got nothing but positive things to say about Robert Pattinson's performance in this film. And, you know, as I said, I am excited to see where his Batman goes next because I think that they have built a version of the character that can explore some of these things that I think really play into Robert Pattinson's strengths as an actor. See, here, here's, here's where I'm, I'm going to agree with you on, on pretty much most of that. I do think he played a good Bruce Wayne for what the film wanted. The, the entire portrayal of what Bruce slash Batman is, is being here is that it's very similar to sort of the Gotham uh, TV show again is that Bruce doesn't think he can fix the, the Gotham's problems by being Bruce Wayne. He just doesn't think he can do that. If his if his father couldn't do it, what like what is he? Why does he think that Bruce can do it? So he then creates you know Batman to go out there and, and to fight it a different way. And I think the fact that. Bruce Wayne is is basically in goblin mode. He's like a little fucking Eblin, you know, emo goblin boy. And there's the moment at the uh, the the funeral where again Be- Bella Riel comes up to him and is like, you know, your family did like a ton of philanthropy. And like you're doing fucking nothing. Like when I'm mayor, like I want to change that. I want to get you involved in this crap. And and obviously there's some, you know plot elements of like why the the waynes might even be behind all of this corruption Ooh, <laughs> intrigue but it shows like yeah bruce wayne is an absentee i'm not gonna say father figure because he's not a father figure but he's like an absentee public figure that is just like hiding away and is like no like yeah i i, I don't want to be involved in this this city took my parents from me like i'm the wrong person to do this yada 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 I think that portrayal of just being like this skinny, awkward, 
doesn't look like he's seen the sun in 10 years, like works really, really well. And it's surprise, surprise. It's Robert Pattinson who has experience sort of being like a skinny, pale weirdo that hasn't seen the sun in 10 years. <laughs> that, that is one of his skill sets. I, and, I... and the other thing you bring up the, the exercise thing, like not, you know, coming in heavier than he was is like, again, this isn't, you know, 90% of this movie isn't supposed to be a superhero movie. Like, Batman isn't fighting against Bane in this movie. He's not fighting against, uh, you know, uh, uh, Rasha Ghoul. He's not fighting against like these these fighters. He's fighting against this like serial killer that's skulking in the shadows and is leaving clues and is leaving hints and is like playing catch me if you can and is daring Batman to come find him. Not to, like, get into a physical confrontation, but, like, beat me because you're smarter than me. That's the entire, it's Riddler's entire, like, motif here is, like, beat me because you're smarter than me. You're the only person who could be smarter than me because you've been stopping all of these things. And and you're a detective, and that's how you solve everything. You're a detective. You don't need to be, like, 6'5", 250 pounds of muscle to be a detective. And especially when you're, like, the world's greatest gadget man, like... Why do you need to throw a punch when you can just pull out the bat taser and go, like, done? Like, you don't need to have that scene in this movie. You can just let, you know, Detective Batman solve the case or not solve the case or, you know, get in the occasional scuffle. But then he uses his, you know, bat smoke bomb or his batarang or his Batmobile, which is the fucking coolest Batmobile I've ever seen. Go fuck yourself, Christian Bale. He turned a Mustang into a Batmobile. (laughs) Like, you don't need to be this ultra-buff superhero to pull that off. And that's why, at the end of the day, between between the the emotiveness, between the the chemistry that Pattinson has with Zoe Kravitz, we'll get to her in like 30 seconds, he he was such a good Bruce Wayne, Batman, leading man in this film. Which then leads to Zoe Kravitz, and holy shit, like... I, perfect Catwoman. I can't think of anyone else on the planet that could have played this version of Catwoman and could have pulled it off and pulled off the 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 kind of threatening nature, the sensualness, the 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 badassery, the take no shit attitude that Catwoman should have in this movie. It was phenomenal. She was amazing. It was very very good. Um, I do, before I forget this, because I went to look it up, um, the Robert Pattinson story that I shared earlier was apparently something he said in an interview as a joke. Um, So I I just want to be clear, I was wrong on that. He thought it was funny, and I took him at face value, and apparently he has quite a history of trolling people in interviews. So please don't yell at us in the comments. He did work out. He got in shape. Please don't yell at me. Um, Zoe Kravitz. Uh, to get back on topic, I, I I think she did a very fun job. I, I I think she's she hits a very good kind of that moral ambiguity angle that you need for Catwoman to hit, right? Like she does look after her own. She is she cares very deeply about her friend who gets caught up in all of this and is constantly uh, looking for opportunities to to help. And like when she makes mistakes, especially uh, earlier on, it's it's always because she can't help herself 
from getting emotionally engaged and letting that side of her out because she has this, you know, more than wanting to help the city, she wants to help the people that she immediately cares about. Um, and she and she provides a really interesting moral contrast to Batman when it comes to her willingness to potentially kill somebody who she thinks is responsible for what happened to um, uh, to, to her friend. And for the record, she's right. Like that guy absolutely did the things. And uh, the voicemail, you hear it and you get it. Um, I think the people, you know, you can very easily empathize with where that Catwoman character is coming from even as you have that instinct, because this is a Batman film, that we're not supposed to murder anybody here. Something that Snyder kind of forgot about, but th this film remembers that that's not how Batman does things. Listen, listen, so Batman never murdered those people. He just, like, put them in the hospital and, you know, they're on a feeding tube for the rest of their life. They're I've got a coma, montage you know? for you. Um, <laughs> there's, a, there's a montage of people in those Snyder films and there is no way they all made it out. There's a 0% chance. But regardless, I, this film does, you know, this film goes to the more traditional thing and so you have that conflict there. But she's not wrong and neither is Batman ultimately, right? There's this philosophical question that she asks which is what are you willing to do to stop bad people from hurting innocent people and funnily enough that is the same moral question that the riddler is asking and why i think that that side of the film is really well executed right the riddler is your hardcore all of these people who are very publicly corrupt who are responsible for covering covering up super serious crimes uh assassinations uh, drug running and and making the city actively worse uh, by keeping the police in the pockets of the mob, essentially. His answer is to just kill all those guys. And depending on your political philosophy in this modern age, there might be some appeal in that to you. Do you there are some people out there who, who could understand why somebody would see a whole bunch of very wealthy, powerful people who have the power to help and instead choose to line their own pockets or fuel the same people doing these terrible things, or at the very least, not step up to stop the people doing actively terrible things, and might empathize with the idea that maybe those people shouldn't be able to just keep doing all those terrible things. Somebody needs to put a stop to it. And since the systems won't, Riddler fills in the blank, right? There are going to be a certain percentage of people who understand that. There's going to be a certain percentage of people who are going to be like Selena Kyle, who sees it when it comes to her friend, when it comes to the people who really matter to her. Maybe she's not willing to get up there and kill a politician because the politician is doing harm to people, but she is willing to go after the mob guy who is directly responsible for her friend's death because that's a personal thing. That is a an idea that evil, when taken against the people you care about most, has to be responded to in kind. There's a, a revenge angle to it, certainly, but also just this idea of he shouldn't be allowed to do that to anybody else the way that he did it to this person that I care about. And Batman, of course, is the answer that says, well, killing people doesn't solve any of this, right? It doesn't make the things better. It just lowers you to the level of the people engaging in either of those levels of... Uh, uh, of thought when it comes to, to how you handle people in those situations. Um, I think Batman certainly has some empathy for where Catwoman is coming from, 
uh, in that he understands the very emotional resonance of losing someone that he cares about, having just seen what happened to Alfred, right? He can empathize deeply with where Catwoman's character is coming from. And it's why, despite how intense that moment is on the rooftop, they're able to have a moment at the end of a mutual almost understanding of each other. You know, there's a line where they disagree, but they understand each other as people. Whereas the Riddler is so far away from how Batman envisions handling the situation that he straight up rejects any offer that the Riddler has to be like, we're not so different, you and I. We get it. You you understand the problem the way that I do. Um, and, and, and that rejection, that hard distance, shows the gap between these kind of three different responses as to how you handle the problem. Uh, and but, but it the is... Riddler's, the Riddler's not wrong. I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but the Riddler's not wrong because Batman does understand the problem in the same way that the Riddler does. And in a way that, in all honesty, is way more nuanced. And I'm not going to pretend to give Christopher Nolan like credit for being Nola, to being nuanced in, in the Dark Knight films. Because there's no nuance there. Like I said, it's like <laughs> massive terrorist attacks to punish the entire city. Everyone. The children that weren't even born 20 years ago when all this corruption was happening. No, no, no. We got to kill everyone. That's that's all three of those movies are about killing everyone or, tur- or you know, turning everyone against each other. It's the entire city is the problem. The entire city is this just just cancerous mass that needs to be gotten rid of. And and something that we talk that that is done here in the Batman is that it's not the entire city. It is these these pressure points, these these tiny little individual spots where if you can start snipping away at it and start cutting off little bits and pieces here and there that you can then rid the the city of its corruption that you or or maybe you're just you know it's a new a new corruption will take its place or whatever but that's where the batman and riddler are correct they both are right there this person's corrupt this person's corrupt this person's corrupt tracking down this trail of corruption and trying to get vengeance i think that's incredibly funny that that Patton says says i'm vengeance because he's not vengeance He's justice. He, he, Batman doesn't kill because he thinks that they need to, I guess in some instances, you know, he puts his, his supervillains in, in Arkham because he thinks they need to be cured. They need to be treated. They need to be treated like criminals. Like that's everything. And Riddler, it's the joke. I can't remember which one it's from, but it's, it's like, why do you always throw the Joker in jail when he just breaks out? Like, I want to say it's almost from the killing joke. Um, but, like, why do you do that when he just always breaks out? And, like, there's that thought of, like, oh, yeah, why don't you just, like, end it? Like, you wouldn't have to deal with all these terrorist attacks if you just end it. And it's something that, like you said, Batman's incapable of doing. But, like, the thought process isn't wrong. It's just when they get to the, the answer, it's what do they do with that information? And in the Riddler's case, it's just fucking kill them. So, Walter, here's the thing. All of what you said is very true. Until. <laughs> this is the part that we really have to struggle with with this film. Because there is a point at which the Riddler goes from somebody whose arguments make a lot of sense, who you can empathize with, um, and, and who you can understand at least the accelerationist leanings that he has. 
until the end of the film in the last 45 minutes any nuance about the character that was allowed to be had any sort of emotional contemplation about whether or not the riddler is right or wrong for doing things the way that he does is immediately cast aside uh is immediately thrown away in order to emulate what i think like when i talked to my roommate about it he got like the white supremacist angle to it in the way that like the radical internet community that he built then got their guns and went off to do a terrorism attack i honestly think that it's a little bit too vague to say that they were aiming at either the left wing or the right wing in terms of who was the accelerationist who were getting radicalized by this kind of thought process. But at that point, he does the thing that we just talked about how he liked that they didn't do it, which is that he attacks the whole fucking city and tries to flood it by destroying the, the gates that keep the water down and then tries to lure people into a stadium where people are going to just shoot everybody. And everything that this film was building, all of these intricate themes and the way they layer on each other and the way that they explore these wider questions of what it means to properly fix something, to, to deal with the problem and actually bring a solution to it, is thrown out the window. Riddler was bad. He's been bad the whole time because he has to be bad because he's responsible for that level of a terror attack. Any point that he made you're made to feel foolish for agreeing with him in the slightest or, or for understanding where he's coming from because the Batman thoroughly rebukes him and is then proven correct to do so because the thing that he inspires his people to do is nightmarish and entirely unjustifiable. And it is such a shame because I was genuinely quite liking the movie up until that point and they just threw it all away. They just threw everything that they had built away in order to get a good, bad, big superhero moment at the end. And I will never understand it. I will never understand the choice there. It's, it's so disastrous to me in terms of undermining everything that had been built. And I, I, frankly, I just don't get it. I don't understand why it was necessary. I, I, you could cut that last 45 minutes, and I think the film is a thousand percent better for it. Uh, so, so earlier I mentioned um, Andy Serkis was in the film. Uh, also, uh, Jeffrey Wright, uh, who who it was in um, was in Westworld. Uh, John Turturro, who was in uh, Transformers, who was like the bumbling FBI aide. Listen, I don't want to talk about the last forty five minutes of the film <laughs> um, because much like Drive My Car, go fuck yourself. Fuck the ending of this film. Why the fuck did you have to ruin my excellent, excellent film? noir batman detective movie with a 35 45 minute terrorist plot that just it, it's like da, da. i get it i get it's a superhero film i get you have to have some big climactic fight scene because up until this moment like we got the car chase we, we got the we got a great car chase with the uh, with with penguin and with with batman you know we got to see the 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 mustang batmobile again the sexiest probably the sexiest thing in the movie i'm not even going to i'm not even going to lie that car was fucking just mint but yeah then we have to have this stupid plot that's like i i can understand the like 
you know, in, in the interrogation scene when he's like, oh, you didn't actually, you didn't actually figure it out. I'm still smarter than you. I could have seen that if like something happened then and then we fade to black and now we have, you know, a launching point for the next film if you're going to do a next film. But yeah, it was, it was, it was 45 minutes too long. It should have ended within five minutes of that, that interrogation scene. Either something happens or something doesn't. Or, or or it could just be like he he created Mad Hatter or something like the the next villain, you know, is out 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 and about and like performs a murder and you just leave the little calling card for the next villain or whatever you want to do. Like you don't need to then have this gratuitous 35, 45 minute fight scene, which then leads to like a Messiah moment of Pattinson of Batman like sprawled out and having to be like rescued by normal people and like and even then like the last few minutes of the film where you have the interaction between between Kyle and and Bruce and they like go off in their separate directions on their motorcycles it gets to that point of like levity and and Batman not just being like this gritty like the the streets of gotham are scum and i need to clean it up and like does show he has some character growth and can be a little bit like lighter that that you brought up earlier i do think that moment kind of matters and could exist but the fight scene in what is obviously not madison square garden wink 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 and that this is definitely not new york city manhattan wink 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 it just i i was sitting in my chair going oh why I just don't want this. This it almost ruined the movie for me because it felt so unnecessary. Other than, okay, it's a superhero movie. Let's get the action sequence out of the way. I I, I don't have anything beyond that. It was it was it was not good. It was it was not good. It it wasn't good. It was really again. You have a film that builds up so much moral ambiguity and is trying to challenge Batman to be self-reflective, right? And instead of sitting with the complicated idea that perhaps it is not so black and white whether or not violence can rid out the political elites that have become so corrupt as to enable widespread crimes and really undermining everything the city could be, the film just feels uncomfortable sitting with that. It doesn't want to have the Riddler ultimately being the two sides of the same coin guy. That's that's clearly what they set it up to be in, in the Riddler's speech. But what he inspires at the end and what he incentivizes his followers to do, which, by the way, absolutely absurd sequence. I, I'm trying to imagine... Someone who I think in the film has like less than 500 followers, but all of them live in Gotham, all of them have guns, and all of them are perfectly well trained to use them and ready to commit a mass terror attack within 24 hours of a post going live. Like, fuck off. It's entirely unearned. It's entirely unnecessary. See, Chase, uh, MyTube, the social media network that's in the film, yeah. it just has a really fucking good algorithm. Like, that's <laughs> that. This, if a marketing person could figure out the algorithm that was in the Batman that the Riddler used, like, that person would just make billions upon then billions. Then why of does he only have 500 followers? If he's so good at using the algorithm, Walter, why is he only. 
Like, because because those five hundred are the only five hundred people that match all the criteria of his algorithm. <laughs> but it's five hundred really fucking dedicated people. Oh my god, it's the perfect five hundred. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess. I mean, really, I think that's the name of the next Tarantino movie: the Perfect Five Hundred. <laughs> I would watch that Tarantino film. You know, <laughs> I just. It's such a shame. It's such a shame because I want to recommend this film. I don't know if we're moving into recommendations or if there's anything else you wanted to talk about. Um, I don't, I I feel very conflicted recommending it. I enjoyed a good chunk of it. There's a lot I liked. It's not like I want to say that the first two hours are perfect, but I think there's a lot of really good stuff in the first two hours, but this is a 176 uh, minute long film. And that last hour is rough. Um, and it does undermine so much of what made the film interesting to me and the kind of questions that it could have sat with that it just clearly feels very uncomfortable actually having people sit with. And it's just like by the end of it, my, my roommate joked that it has more false endings than Return of the King. Like there are so many moments in which it just could have been done and it's just not. And I just... I don't know. I, I think I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10 because um, I think there's a lot here that is good. And I am genuinely excited for the sequel. Like I, I am very interested to see what they do with a more hopeful Batman. Someone who his response to the Riddler stuff as as stupid as the Riddler's ending in this is, is to say that maybe the way I was selling things was inspiring people like him so I need to do something different. I think that's a more interesting Batman. I think it's a Batman that might finally give us Robin. Please, please finally give us Robin so I could get a Nightwing film because that's what I really want. Um, you know, I, I think it'll go somewhere good. I like the cast, the people here. here. I, I think there are a lot of good performances and I think there is a lot to indicate that these people understand what makes Batman compelling I just, what a shame. What a shame that I can only give this film a seven because it would have been a nine before that ending and I have to dock at least two points and even then I'm struggling. I, I, it sucks, man. It sucks. Unfortunate. <laughs> the movie itself doesn't suck. It, it sucks that the ending is so antithetical to what the rest of the movie is. And yes. I, I'm, I'm going to give it a seven and a half. I'm going to give it the extra half point because again, that fucking Batmobile is, is gorgeous. <laughs> it's I'm, I'm what? a Mustang guy. And just like the fat, the moment, the moment it appears. And then that, the moment um when Penguin thinks he gets past him in the fuel tank, like fuel tank truck explodes. And you're like, here comes the Batmobile through the flames and it just comes over. Oh my God. Like, so, oh, amazing. Amazing. I'm an action movie junkie. So that, that is like, that's my shit right there. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely would recommend it to anyone who, who likes superhero movies, who's even kind of like tangentially interested in action or, or, you know, suspense, uh, thriller. Like this, this was a little psychologically, you know, a psychological thriller built into it. Um, but again, with the caveat, like, the ending kind of sucks. The ending, like, you're going to get to a point in that movie, and I'll tell you, there, there's, a, there's a scene with the Batman and Riddler, and they're in the same room, 
And the movie should have ended there. It should have ended right there. Like, right, right there. Should have ended right there. And after you watch the rest of the movie, you'll understand why. You'll get it. Because it's just so, so opposite of what the rest of the film is. And and the ending absolutely feels like there was a producer at at WB or uh, uh, who, what's the film house that produced this? There was some executive at Warner Brothers or DC Films that was like, hey, did you guys forget this was a superhero film? Like, should there be an action sequence? And Matt Reeves is just like, ah, fuck it. Tag it in on, you know, tag it on the end. Like, it, it feels so out of place that it's so disjointed, even though, like, it does build up to what you then hope for is a slightly more hopeful Batman. Um, I would say if it wasn't for, for the, the ending, the 35, 45 minutes, um, I'd say it would be above The Dark Knight for me in terms of all the batman films i've ever watched agreed um but i i still i i put the dark knight slightly above it just because it doesn't have this this canker sore on you know it doesn't have a canker sore on the end of it even though we really don't go anywhere with sort of harvey dent like dying like doesn't really end up anywhere in in the trilogy um but yeah like i would recommend it go watch it it's on hbo now we're not sponsored, but like it's accessible, it's easy to watch. It is long, but you can always pause. Like if you're watching it at home, you can always pause a movie at some point. There are definitely some points you could pause it. And you um, can stop and- it. You can you can save yourself. Just stop it to you like once you hit that scene, yeah. you're done. You can pretend yeah. that the ending never happened. Pick up with S- the next one. You didn't miss anything. Stop it there. And then go to the after credit scene where they uh they sneak in Joker. Because of course Joker is going to be in the next villain. Like of course Joker is going to be the next villain. We can't give me like anybody else. You know. You know what villain should be next? I want fucking Mister Freeze. I was hoping you would say Calendar Man, but I'm down for Mister Freeze as well. <laughs> I think that I'm so think, down for Calendar Man, man. I think if you're if you're sticking with this like psychological film noir style thing you go to mad hatter like mad hatter would make the most sense and you could have very easily like created that like oh like the riddler created the next villain it's mad hatter like it's the same type of serial killer you know suspenseful clues all of these types of things that you could have like trickled in there and it's like an underutilized character. Like, again, I, I don't know how any Joker is going to stand up after what Heath Ledger did. And I, I wish, um, I wish uh, Barry Keoghan the best of luck as he tries to portray Joker in what is potentially, you know, a sequel film to this. Or maybe it's, maybe it's a false, you know, false flag and we get Calendar Man. Or Man Bat, or or in in Justice Superman. I don't know. Uh, But Chase, I think we've come to the end of our end of our discussion of the Batman. And as you tell the the good folks at home where to find you on the interwebs, could you just give me a brief synopsis of what you think Quentin Tarantino's The Perfect Five Hundred would be about? Well, The Perfect Five Hundred would be. Uh, obviously, uh, it would be an Ocean's Eleven style film, but three times the length, going into each of the 500 people that they recruit for this mission, at least 100 of which are inside people that they would have to bribe in some way, shape, or form. 
Uh, it would take it would be like exactly 500 minutes long in order to be to really live up to the the, the theme. And uh, at the end, they would open the briefcase and there'd only be five hundred dollars inside. And they'd be like, well, that's one dollar <laughs> for everybody. And that's not enough. Um, but, but <laughs> luckily, uh, I'm not the one making that film. So you don't have to worry about that. You do have to follow me at Chase Wassenaar on Twitter. That's a rule. You listened all the way through to this. You do have to follow me. Um, you can also follow the podcast at Rough Draft Spod, uh, which is where you'll find a whole bunch of stuff, uh, including uh, the Steam Cleaners pod, which we do every other week when we're not doing this movie pod. I uh, highly recommend subscribing to the overall feed uh, for the Rough Drafts podcast if you want to get everything. Uh, but of course, if you just like your movie stuff, just stick here. Two weeks from now, we'll be back, and we'll be talking about a film that's probably better than my terrible impression of quentin tarantino's 500 see i think that the ultimate 500 it's got to be a war movie it's going to be some battalion in like world war ii that was in france and and you know held the rhine or, or something like that that just feels like the perfect 500 feels like quentin tarantino ripping off the movie 300 in a way that only he can uh you guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL. Uh, as Chase said, you know, follow the follow the podcast here, uh, the main feed or either of the side feeds. The final cut feed is there is a separate feed if you only want the movies and if you just want the games and just happen to listen to this because it was a superhero movie and you're like, finally, they're done talking about Oscar movies. Uh, you know, Steam Cleaners is always there as well as K-pop shenanigans uh, as, a, as a side feed as well. Uh, but yes, I am hoping... Well... You know, Chase, the, the weight is a little bit unbearable, but I really do hope that our, our, our listeners can come back here in two weeks uh, as we discuss our, our next movie, because I think we've been doing this a long time, and I think we're both, you know, massively talented at this. <laughs> if that wasn't big enough a hint, I mean, clearly you weren't going to defeat the Riddler. Until next time, goodbye, Internet. <laughs>